0: dishwasher is going in the background so if you hear it then that's what the noise is but if you don't hear it then God has blessed me with some really good audio equipment I am a cheapskate when it comes to this as long as you could hear with what I say then I'm content with what I have and I'm still content with what I have because I believe the power of God can deliver his message however he wants to and this sounds a little weak in certain areas to where people need to hear it then i believe that he'll give the power to boost it enough so that we can and you can hear all right we are continuing on with the christ center channel special and also the revelation podcast special i believe that this is a special because i've been preaching more often and I usually do it about sometimes once or twice a week, yet before the beginning of this month, I believe that God laid this message in my heart. Now, I knew He wanted me to preach against Halloween, but at first I wasn't sure in what direction He wanted me to go with it. So I just allowed the Spirit lead me, and it's fair to say that Revelation chapter 21, verse Eight is kind of like the home base for this whole entire message, and I want to read that again. Revelation chapter 21, verse 8: But the cowardly, unbelieving, abominable, murderers, sexually immoral, sorcerers. Idolaters And all liars shall have their part in a lake which burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. I believe this is message number five or six. I'm not quite sure. Yet what I do remember is in the last message I shared that Halloween promotes murder. I mean, around this time of year, Hollywood releases its horror movies that promotes murder. Halloween is an influence of that. Well, in the last two Halloween specials, or I say, Christian and Halloween specials, we took a look and saw that Halloween is an abomination and that Halloween promotes murder we looked at the origins of Halloween and we saw how it started and it's confirmed that it was originally called Samhain and it was started by the Celtic Druids that was a combination of paganism witchcraft and Satanism on October 31st they celebrate the Lord of the Dead and they do all sorts of things related to Lord of the Dead if you look at all the things that Halloween does, then you can see there are the same things that evildoers do that are listed in verse 8. Now, before I go any further, I kind of want to show you um, what videos I have been using. Now, I'm not going to go on and click on any of them, but I just want to show you what kind of videos that I've been using for um this message special. Go click on here. Then go here. Okay, same so channel. A playlist. My video resources for Christians and Halloween. Uh, these are the top three videos I've mainly been using. Now, Get the Gun was one that I used for either Christians of Halloween video number one or number two, but I can't quite remember. This is based upon a true story about a Japanese foreign exchange student that came to the United States in 1992. And him and his friend was going to a Halloween party and they went to the wrong house, and the homeowner shot him and so I shared that message because I want to see like what kind of danger is involved in Halloween and so if you want to kind of look at the resources I've been using, um, feel free to check out my video resources and it's open to the public All right well. In Revelations chapter 21, verse 8. After murderers, you have two words. Sexually immoral. And this is my message for tonight. Halloween is for the sexually immoral. Now, after I read the word. I like to go and read an article or two. Sometimes I may pick something that's trending. Other times I might pick a topic. And a topic that I have set up is for Satanism, Satanism, and Satan's temple. And no, I am not a Satanist. I'm a Christian. I am born of the Spirit. I have the Holy Spirit that bears witness with my spirit that I am a child of God. And there was nothing interesting in the Satanic section at all, except for a headline. And all I needed to read was the headline, and all I had was enough. The headline of an old article says this, Satanic Temple says it will fight for gay rights. Let me repeat that again. Because it sounds odd and confusing. Satanic Temple says it will fight for gay rights. Well, that makes sense. Because one of the things about the Antichrist is that it will be a homosexual. The rights to homosexuality is flying rampant worldwide. Homosexuals want more than marriage opportunities. You know, they do not believe in wholesome things. They don't believe in righteousness. They're all for wickedness. Wicked people don't just stop at little evil. You know, if they could do a little evil, then who's to say that they can't do a whole lot of evil? You know, homosexuals have this mentality that if it feels good, then you should do it. But what happens to when that feel-good feeling rubs off or you cannot get that even if you have sex with many men and all at the same time. So you start going down to further perversions. Next thing you know, you want to have sex with an animal. And the animal no longer fulfills you. And you know your conscience is telling you that Hey, you shouldn't have sex with the same gender It is wrong You ignore the conscience You continue to go down Because no one's not going to tell you what to do Even the God-given conscience that's given to you God has given you a conscience He has revealed himself to you So that on his day You are without excuse You know, in California, they're trying to push pedophilia. And we see with major video streaming servers such as Netflix that they are also trying to push for pedophilia. I mean, they're praying and hoping that with this election that the communist left will win so that they can legalize pedophilia. One of the major reasons why is that a lot of politicians Movie stars and athletes are tied with pedophilia. And if President Trump, which I think he will win by a landslide, if President Trump does win this election, that means that could be a lot of trouble for them. I mean, since he has been elected, there has been a lot of arrests made for pedophiles and human trafficking. Now, I did not mean to go down a political trail and I'm not trying to promote a political message. All I'm sharing is what I see is going on. Yet, regardless of what your political views are, whether it's right, left, middle, or whatever, that doesn't really matter here and that doesn't really matter to me. But what should matter is what does the Word of God say? We should always hold the Word of God higher than any standard in this world. The Word of God is something that we should follow. And we can only just pray and hope that politicians do follow the Word of God and obey it. However, even if they don't obey the Word of God, we still have to respect them because God allowed them to be in power for a reason. The only time that we should be going against elect leaders is that they tell us not to worship God and worship something else. And that's when the time we have to stand for God and what we believe in. And thank God that the United States has not come to that yet. They're trying to. I mean, they're really pushing for it. I mean, with homosexuality spread worldwide. I mean, they're pushing for pedophilia and they want to legalize it. I mean, that's a good example to where Evil knows no bounds. And when Christians just celebrate just one day of the year with Halloween, then that's usually enough for Satan to corrupt them. You know, a lot of pastors think that it's okay to celebrate Halloween, and they don't know the Word of God. Either they don't know the Word of God, or they're willingly preaching a false Doctrine, and that's very, very dangerous. In 1 Timothy chapter 4 verse 1, the Holy Spirit says in later times that many will depart from the faith for doctrines of demons. And they will fall for lies and they will have their conscience seared with a hot iron. And to those that don't think celebrating little Halloween will not do them any harm, That's like risking your conscience, and I don't think that celebrating Halloween is worth the risk. Well, anyways, Halloween is for the sexually immoral. Now, in the book of Revelation, Revelation chapter 2, verses 12 through 14, we take a look at the church in Pergamos. And we see how that church is a sexually corrupted church. Revelation chapter 2, verses 12 through 14. And to the angel of the church in Pargamos write, These things says, He who has a sharp two-edged sword, I know your works and where you dwell. Where Satan's throne is And you hold fast to my name And did not deny my faith Even in the days Where Antipius was my faithful martyr So, so far we read about Progamos that they were a faithful church Even unto martyr Wow That sounds like it's a pretty good church But look at what it says in verse 14 And these are the words of Christ But, I have a few things against you. Because you have there those who hold the doctrine of Balaam. In other words, the doctrine of Satan. Balaam and Satan is the same thing. For Satan created Balaam. Satan is an influence. Balaam is an influence of Satan. Who taught Balak to put a stumbling block before the children of Israel. To eat sacrifice to idols and to commit sexual immorality remember those that commit sexual immorality will not inherit God's kingdom and we read that in Revelation chapter 21 verse 8 thus you also have those who hold the doctrine of Nicolaitans which thing I hate repent or else I will come to you quickly and will fight against them with the sword of my mouth. You see, Jesus is against sexual immorality, and so should we. And again, Revelation chapter 21, verse 8, speaks that the sexual immoral will not inherit God's kingdom. Now, now, Pergamos was not the only church that practiced sexual immorality. If you read about the next church in verses 18 through 21, we'll read about the church of Thyatira. And, yeah, Jesus, I know your works, love. Wow, that sounds good. Service means they're doing what he commands, faith. They believe in, in your patience. Wow. They have all the things that makes a church good. And as for your words, the last are more than the first. Nevertheless, I have a few things against you. Because you allow that woman, Jezebel, who calls herself a prophetess, to teach and seduce my servants to commit sexual immoralities and eat things sacrificed to idols. And they gave her time to repent. Of her sexual morality, And she did not repent. You know when we stand. On judgment day. And we see those. Who are unbelievers. And committed sins. We will see. That they did have time. Just like Jezebel did. Jesus gave Jezebel time. To repent. And she did not. You know, over time, God has given everyone a chance to repent and walk away. And in Romans chapter 1, verses 24 through 27, it explains what God did to those who continue to follow their own immoral lusts. Romans chapter 1, verses 24 through 27. It says, Therefore, God also gave them up to uncleanliness, those that did not accept God and obey Him, in the lust of their hearts, to dishonor their bodies among themselves, who exchanged the truth of God for the lie, and worship and serve the creature rather than the Creator, who is blessed forever. Amen. So, in other words, people chose to worship God's creation. I mean, if you kind of break it down, they're worshiping things that made them feel good. So, in other words, worshiping creation gave them a sensuality that they continue to follow. They lusted after these things and they chose those things after God. God is a just God. He has given us liberty and he has given us love. He's given us a free will either to accept him or to reject him. God is not going to force those who do not want to worship him to worship him. God wants real worship and he knew how to get that. In order for him to give real worship from us, he had to give us free will. And through that free will, we either are going to accept God or we're going to reject God. Now those that reject God, we see what's happening to them when they continue down their road of lust. In verse 26, for this reason, God gave them up. So no he just lets them go. Gave them up to vile passions. Or even their women exchanged a natural use. The natural use for women is to have an attraction for man. Likewise, also the men, leaving the natural use of women, burn in a lust for one another in other words, other men. Men with men, committing what is shameful and receiving themselves the penalty of the error which was due. The penalty of error which was due was something that we read about in Revelation chapter 21, verse 8. For the sexual immoral will not inherit God's kingdom. And we see Jesus speaking to the church in Pergamos and Thyatira, and he's telling them that do not commit sexual immorality. Repent and turn away, or I will... Cast you into the lake of fire So we see What sexual moral does That it corrupts men And it makes them feel shameful Of themselves Now we're going to see What God Created sex for So that we understand That it is from God it is something that we can enjoy. And it's for His glory. So we're going to see how He set that up and why He did that. So let's go into Genesis chapter 1. Genesis chapter 1, verses 27 and 28. We are going to read about on the sixth day on what God did. We know that God made the animals and He made humankind. So, verse 27. This is what God tells, this is what God, so God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. So verse 27, we see that God created two genders, male and female. Science proves that, and you cannot go against science. In other words, you can't go against God. God is the creator. He made two genders. Male and female. And it doesn't matter if a male tries to be a woman or a woman tries to be a man. A man will always be a man and a woman will always be a woman. That's the way it is and that's the way it's always going to be. Then God blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful. In other words, be productive. And multiply. How do human beings multiply? Well, they multiply by through marriage where male and female become one and when they have sex they multiply the human race and we see that in Genesis chapter 2 verses 23 through 24 and Adam said this is now bone of my bones flesh of my flesh she shall be called woman, because she was taken out of man. This was after God created Eve from Adam's ribs. And listen to these words. And later on, in a couple of videos, we'll see Jesus confirm these words. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother. So where did the man come from? He came from his father and mother, and be joined to his wife. And when they're joined together, they'll be one flesh. This is natural sex, where a man will leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife. You notice it says wife. It doesn't say girlfriend or partner, it says wife. Wife is the female where he has made a commitment to and she has made a commitment to him where the flesh will be one. So we see that the purpose of sex was meant to be between a man and a woman. And it was the purpose of Creating this world by filling it with the human race. And yes, when we do have sex, it is pleasurable. Yes, that's how God made it. He made it enjoyable. You know, all the things that God has made, He has made it for our enjoyment. Yet Satan takes the things of God and he twists them. And he makes it shameful he makes it unnatural and his Satan's way of sex leads to death. For Revelation chapter 21 verse 8 says a sexual immoral will not inherit God's kingdom. So along the way, we're going to take a look and see what is sexual immorality and how is it associated with Halloween. Well, I don't really have to dig in too deep to let you guys see that sexual immorality is associated with Halloween. I mean, just you know, go to like Walmart or Target and just kind of walk around the aisle and look at the costumes that they sell for women. You know, they basically have the women dressed like prostitutes, and it's not by accident. You know, the devil knows what he's doing. I mean, if he could get people to do witchcraft, idolatry, or practice some sort of form of animal sacrifices, or even human sacrifices, if they're connected to the government or something, then why not? Why not have sexual immorality? You know, evil, there is no limits. Or that's what he tells with that. With evil, there's no limits. There's no God that can't tell you what you can or cannot do. You are your own God. I mean Satan tried to sell Adam and Eve that lie. He says, hey, listen, if you eat from the tree of life, you'll be like a god yourself. And that got them to the flesh, and they decided that they would rather be like God, disobey God, sin and death came into this world, then shame came, Adam hid. Adam tried to hide himself with animal skin, kinda of like made the first costume. And you know, he was fearful of God. Satan tricked Adam. Adam, he twists, he turns everything upside down. That's how Satan is. And so, he makes sex shameful, disgusting, and it leads to death. Now, in Exodus chapter 20, verse 14... It is the Seventh Commandment. Yes, it's the Seventh Commandment of the Ten Commandments. You shall not commit adultery. So, first, sexual immorality is sex outside of marriage between a man and a woman. So, understand that. Sexual immorality, like adultery... Is sex outside of marriage between a man and a woman now even before the flood people were sexually immoral let's see genesis chapter 6 verses 11 and 12 the earth was so corrupt before god and the earth was filled with violence. So God looked upon the earth, and indeed it was corrupt, for all flesh has corrupted their way on the earth. Before the flood was complete anarchy, because there was no law and order. That got lost man felt like that it could do whatever it wants to do even if a man or woman would not allow him to do it so by force in order so by violence he did whatever he wanted to do so if this man wanted to murder and kill people he could have done it because there's no one that's going to stop him If you want to have sex with all kinds of people, then there was no one that was going to stop them. So, sexual immorality was high before the flood. That's why the earth was corrupted. After the flood, and before the law, we see that man knew adultery. They knew it was wrong. And so to see that, we're going to go to Genesis chapter 12. And read verses 14 through 20. This was right after God told Abraham that he was going to make a father of many nations. In the land of Canaan, there was a famine. So he goes down to Egypt. Well, he was afraid that the Egyptians was going to take his wife away from him because she was so beautiful. So he came up with this idea and said, Hey, listen, why don't you tell them that you're my sister? And this is what happens to where we see that even the Egyptians knew what was right and wrong because they knew adultery was wrong. So so it was. When Abram came into Egypt, the Egyptians saw the woman, that she was very beautiful. The prince of Pharaoh also saw her, commanded her to Pharaoh. And the woman was taken to Pharaoh's house. He treated Abram well for her sake. He had sheep, oxen, male donkeys, male and female servants. Female donkeys and camels. But the Lord plagued. Pharaoh in his house with great plagues because of Sarai, Abram's wife. So, yes, God did cast judgment on him. And what did God cast judgment on them for? And we'll see. If Pharaoh called Abram and said, What is this that you have done to me? Why do you not tell me that she was your wife? Why did you say, She is my sister? I might have taken her as my wife. Now, therefore, here is your wife. Take her and go your way. So Pharaoh commanded his men concerning him, and then went, him, went they sent him away with his wife and all that he had. So God sent plagues on Pharaoh because he committed adultery. And Pharaoh knew that he committed adultery. I mean, look at what he told Abraham. He says, Why didn't you tell me that she, why did you say that she is my sister? He knew that if he took him and had sex with his wife, that he knew that he would have been committing adultery. So even after the flood and before the law, men had an idea of what sexual immorality is. Now, another example about sexual immoral before the law and after the flood also in genesis genesis chapter 19 verses 4 through 5 this is in sodom this is what the sodomites try to do with the two angels now before they lay down the men of the city the men of sodom both old and young. All the people from every quarter surround the house, and they called to Lot and said to him, Where are the men who came to you tonight? Bring them out to us that we may know them carnally. God set fire and brimstone down Sodom and Gomorrah, For their sexual immorality and other corruption. You see, the sodomites wanted to rape angels. I mean, that's how corrupt they have gone. I mean, there was no law and order what was right and wrong. And these sodomites felt like they could have sex and have sex however they wanted to. And no one was not going to tell them any way they can or cannot do. Now, next story about adultery is in Genesis chapter 39, verses 6 through 9. Genesis chapter 39, verses 6 and 9. Now, this story right here has to do with Abraham's grandson, Joseph. Joseph was sold by his brothers and he ended up in Egypt. He was in cap he was in the captain of Pharaoh's army's house, Potiphar. And God blessed Joseph to where Joseph eventually became in charge of Potiphar's house. And so verse 6 Paraphras' wife tries to make a pass at Joseph. Thus he left all they had in Joseph's hand. He did not know what he had except for the bread which he ate. Now Joseph was handsome in form and appearance. And it came to pass out of these things that his master's wife, casting long eyes on Joseph, and she said, Lie with me. But he refused and said to his master's wife, Look, my master does not know what is with me in the house. He has committed all that he has to my hand. There is no one greater in this house than I, nor has he kept any, back anything from me but you, because you are his wife. How then can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? You see, Joseph knew that adultery was great wickedness and Sin. So after the flood and before the law, we saw that men knew what was right and wrong. They knew that adultery was wrong, they knew sodomy was wrong. Joseph called sexual immorality the great wickedness and sin against God. Now, those that say, oh, you know, that was God in the Old Testament. You know, God's changed. He's about grace. It's no longer about the law. Well, Malachi chapter 3, verse 6, that says that God is the same. If he did change, then we all would have been consumed. Of course, verse 6 says the house of Jacob would have been consumed. Now, the house of Jacob, Israel, was God's chosen nation. So if God did change, and He wanted to consume His chosen nation, then most likely He's going to consume the rest of the human race if He did change. Now, God has not changed. God in the Old Testament is the same. And He's the same in the New Testament. And in Revelation, we see Jesus, that is the Son of God, and that is God. He is condemning sexual immoral churches, such as Pergamos and Thyatira. In Revelation chapter 21, verse 8 the sexually immoral shall not inherit God's kingdom. Halloween promotes sexual immorality. I mean, look at the films that we see. I mean, how much sex is in those films? Now, we continue to look and see what sexual immorality is according to the Bible. And we are going the time period up after the law, and after the law, the time period between after law and the second coming of Jesus. So, let's continue onward. We are going to look at Leviticus chapter 18, verse 20. Leviticus chapter 18, verses 20, 22, and 25. Moreover, you shall not lie carnally with your neighbor's wife to defile yourself with her. So, in other words, you should not commit adultery, it is a wickedness and a great sin towards God. And you should not let any of your descendants pass through the fire to Molech, nor shall you profane the name of the Lord your God. I am the Lord. And we shall also not practice eugenics. And listen to what it says in verses 22 through 25. You shall not lie with a male as with a woman. In other words, you should not practice homosexuality. It is an abomination. Nor should you have mate with any animal. In other words, you not mate sex with sexual an animal to defile yourself with it. Nor shall any woman stand before an animal to mate with it. It is perversion. Do not defile yourself with any of these things. For by all these things the nations are defiled. We saw the Sodomites being defied with what they practiced with their sexual morality, which I am casting out before you. Well, we saw fire and brimstone lay on Sodom and Gomorrah. And in Joshua, we see the Israelites getting ready to throw over the nations in Canaan because of the abominations that they have done, like having sex with animals, um, eugenics, um, committing adultery, and having. Acts of homosexuality. For all those things, the land is defiled. Therefore, I visit the punishment of its iniquity upon it, and the land vomits out its inhabitants. So in other words, God casts these nations out. And people that continue to practice acts of evil, such as sexual immorality, will not inherit God's kingdom. Because if God just let them in without them having to repent or change, they'll corrupt heaven. Just like the sodomites that corrupted Israel. Now, let's see what it says in Leviticus about sexual morality. Let's go to Leviticus chapter 20, verse 13. If a man lies with a male as he lies with a woman, both of them, Commit abomination. Remember when my video where Halloween is abomination and we learned the word abomination is something disgusting and stinky and something that a person can't even taste. It's a person that a person can't even look. It's a thing that a person can't even smell. And this is how God feels about sexual immorality it's an abomination to Him. And God is the same. And Jesus commanded the Progamos and the authority Church to. Flee from sexual immorality. Stop doing this. And remember, you know, Bergamos was a church that was faithful even unto death. And still, they had to turn away from sexual immorality. People that fell because of sexual immorality. Samson with Elijah in the book of Judges, an example. King David with Bathsheba. And King Solomon I mean King Solomon Was David's son And he was a third king God gave Solomon wisdom And God used Solomon In such a way where You know He was wealthy He built the temple And he had such wisdom That where World leaders of so this Queen of Sheba Came and visited To see for herself See whether or not The things that she heard Was true about Solomon And Look at towards the end of Solomon's life On how He ended up We're going to go to 1 Kings chapter 11 Verses 1 and 8 But King Solomon loved Many foreign Women As well as the daughter of Pharaoh Women of the Moabites Ammonites Edomites, Sidonites, and Hidiites, for the nations of whom the Lord has said to the children of Israel, you shall not intermarry with them, nor they with you. Surely they will turn away your hearts after their gods. So is King Solomon committed idolatry. Solomon clung to these in love, and he had 700 wives, princes, and 300 concubines, and his wives turned away his heart. For it was so when Solomon was old, that his wives turned his heart after other gods, and his heart was not loyal to the Lord his God, as the heart of his father David. You see, yes, his father did commit adultery with Bathsheba, but David repented; he was sorry for his sin towards God. And King Solomon knew this. For Solomon went after Ashtaroth, the goddess of Sidians, and after the Milcom, the abomination of the Ammonites, Solomon did evil in the sight of the Lord, and did not fully follow the Lord as did his father David. Then Solomon built a high place for Chemosh, the abomination of Moab, on the hill that is east of Jerusalem, and for Molech, the abomination of the people Emma, And he did likewise for all his foreign wives, who burned incense and sacrificed to their gods. So Solomon did all the things that was abominable towards God. He practiced idolatry. He practiced human sacrifice. And. I'm not sure if he practiced human sacrifice. It just says he sacrificed to their gods. I mean. He said. He at least sacrificed animals. But I'm not sure if he did human sacrifices. Or not. But either way. Sacrificing to gods. Is a. Sin. And like I said. He committed. Adultery. So adultery or any type of sexual immorality is an abomination towards God now look at what King Solomon wrote about those who are into adultery he wrote this early in his life in Proverbs chapter 6 verses 23 through 25 and I think it's a great reason why Christians should not participate in adultery and we should not even do it because we know it's not something that God wants us to do. And those that practice adultery will not inherit God's kingdom. Well, if you practice adultery in this world, then your life's going to end sooner than what you expected it to or hope to. Look at what it says in Proverbs chapter 6, verses 23 through 25. It's 4. The commandment is a lamp, and the law a light. So God's words is a guide in how we can live. Reproofs of instructions are the way of life. So there's a correct way of living. The correct way of living is to keep you from evil women, from the flattering tongue of a seductress. Do not lust after her beauty in your heart, nor let her allure you with her eyelids. For by means of a harlot. A man is reduced to a crust of bread because it will cost you everything you have and not just the materials. An adulteress will prey upon his precious life. Can a man take fire to his bosom? No. And his clothes not be burned? No. Can one walk on hot coals and his feet not be seared? No. That's impossible. So he who is going into his neighbor's wife, whoever touches her, shall not be innocent. People do not despise a thief if he steals to satisfy himself whenever he is starving. Yet when he is found, he must restore sevenfold. He may have to give up all the substance of his house. Now, this is the difference between a thief and adulterer. Whoever commits adultery with a woman lacks understanding. He who does so destroys his own soul. Wounds and dishonor he will get, and his reproach will not be wiped away. For jealousy is a husband's fury. Therefore, we will not spare the day of vengeance. He will accept no recompense. Nor will he be appeased till you give him many gifts. So, an adulterer that is caught by a husband will not live. He will be miserable. Now, I know in the 21st century in West Coast that there are laws. But, you know... A jealousy will rage over the law So the law will not even guarantee your life If you practice adultery Now, we've seen the damage that adulteries and sexual morality has done in the Old Testament You know, we saw a plague on Pharaoh When he was about to commit adultery with Abraham's wife And he didn't know that Which is why, you know God gave him time to correct that And then we read about the Sodomites in Sodom Where God just laid Sodom and Gomorrah in fire and brimstone And then later on we read about Joseph, you know He had a chance to commit adultery He had a chance to commit sin but he knew in his heart that it was a great sin and wickedness towards God. So he chose not to sin. He would rather obey God. Now afterwards, it didn't get easy for him because he went in jail as an innocent man. And God used that to train him and bring him upright so that he can be ready to be a leader for his people. Well, after reading about Joseph, we look at the commands that God gave the Israelites, in Leviticus. He tells them, don't practice these abominations that other nations have done before them, like sexual immorality. And sexual immorality is all sorts of perversions, you know. Having adultery, having sex with the same gender, and having sex with animals. And God tells them not to do these things. Well, we read in the Bible that we see God's people fall into adultery. We saw Samson who was supposed to be the deliverer of the Israelites, he fell into adultery. And then we saw King David, a man after God's own heart, he committed adultery and murder, but he repented to God. He was sorry that he sinned towards God. And then you have King Solomon, who we just read about, on what he said, what happens to those who committed adultery. Now, King Solomon was blessed by God because if King Solomon was a poor or middle-class person and he committed adultery, it would have been fair to say that his life would have ended shorter than later. And yet Solomon knew that it was wrong and he still committed those things. So the Old Testament, and we're going to see in the New Testament, is giving us a good picture of what happens to those who practice sexual immorality. And it leads to death And so Halloween uses sexual immorality to draw people in You see Satan's smart You know he realizes hey Not a lot of people are going to be in death and darkness Like to tell the druids I got another way to track them to a flesh I'll put eye candy in front of them They'll take the bait They'll come on in You know And so Halloween has... Harlots, and they have women that's dressed as harlots And women that say, hey, I'm just dressed as a harlot But I'm not a harlot If you're dressed like a harlot, then you're a harlot (laughs) It's that simple Well, we're going into the New Testament now And we're going to look at Jesus and adultery We're going to see what Jesus' interactions like were like with adulterers and they are both in the Gospel of John the first one is John chapter 4 John chapter 4 verses 13 through 18 now Jesus goes through Samaria because he needs to go he's going to change the lives of people through an adulterer and Jesus meets the Samaritan woman and this is what she says. This is what he said to her. And he's, whoever drinks of this water will thirst again. He's talking about physical water. Whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst again. The water he's talking about is about the spiritual water, and he's giving the woman a chance to be born again. But the water that I shall give him will become a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. This is what the woman said. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this wife. See, she knew what he was talking about, that I may not thirst, nor come to draw. And look what Jesus said to her, Go call your husband and come here. So, the woman answered, I have no husband. Jesus said, You have well said, I have no husband, for you've had five husbands. And the one whom you now have is not your husband, in that you spoke truly. So this woman was an adulterer. Now going back to verse 16 where it says, Go call your husband and come here. When you read this verse, it may seem like a little harsh and people may think that, oh, Jesus is to judge them. No, no, no. He's asking her to bring her husband here because he wanted to give him eternal life as well. So we see that Jesus, when he came into this world, he could have condemned because he is God and he is the son of God. He has every right to. But he came to save lives. And so Jesus has given us time throughout time to turn away from our sins and follow him. And... The next encounter with adultery is John chapter 8, verses 10 through 11. This is when the religious right brings an adulterer before Jesus. And they wanted, they were testing Jesus. They were using her to test Jesus. They knew that Jesus could not execute her because it was against law for Jews to execute other Jews under Roman law. However, in the law of Moses, it says that if you, Catch someone committing adultery that you should stone them to death. So these religious writers are like, yeah, we finally got Jesus. We're going to trick him. And remember what I said, Jesus is God. He is the son of God. And he has the authority to execute judgment. But look what happens here. This is such a beautiful story. This is after everyone has, well, let me, it's worth reading the whole entire thing. That's how good this story is. But Jesus went to the mountain of olives. Now early in the morning, he came again into the temple, and all the people came to him, and he said, and taught them. Then the scribes and Pharisees brought to him a woman caught in adultery. And when they had set her in the midst, they said to him, Teacher, this woman was caught in adultery, in the very act. Now Moses and the law commanded us that such should be stoned. But what do you say? This they said, testing him, that they might have something which to accuse him. Remember, the Jews are trying to kill Jesus. They're finding a reason where they could kill him to have a reason. But Jesus stooped down and wrote on the ground with his finger, as though he did not hear. So when they continued asking him, raised, he raised himself up and said to them, He who is without sin among you, let him throw a stone at her first. And again, he stooped down and wrote on the ground. And those who heard it, being convicted by their conscience, Romans chapter 2, verse 15, that God has given us all a conscience, went out one by one, began with the oldest, even to the last. And it was just Jesus and the woman who were standing there alone. In verse 10, when Jesus had raised himself up and saw no one but the woman, he said to her, woman, woman, where are those accusers of yours? Has no one condemned you? She said, no one, Lord. And Jesus said to her, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. You notice he didn't say, no, neither do I condemn you. And just go on and continue to live your life however you want to. No, he said, go and sin no more. More. You see, Jesus, he died on the cross for all. We are all sinners. Romans chapter 6 verse 23, For the wages of sin is death. Romans chapter 3 verse 20, For all have sinned and come short of God's glory. We have all come short of God's glory. No one is worthy to go to heaven on their own terms. We have to go through Christ. We have to be born again. We have to be born of the Spirit. And so, being born of the Spirit was something that Jesus offered to this adulterous woman and the adulteress in Samaria. Now, if we go to Galatians chapter 5, verses 19 through 21, we'll see the works of the flesh. Now, the works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery fornication, uncleanliness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentance, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish, ambition, dissensions, heresies, envy, murders, drunkenness, revelries, and the like of which I tell you beforehand, just as I also told you in time past, those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. The works of flesh are works of evil. Galatians chapter 5 verses 19 through 21 is basically the same thing in Revelation chapter 21 verse 8. Sexually immoral people will not inherit God's kingdom. And look at what we found in here about sexually immoral people. Adultery, fornication, uncleanliness, lewdness. Those four words right there can be associated with sexual immorality. And those that practice those things will not inherit God's kingdom. So we must repent and turn away. You know, going back to the Jesus didn't say, Hey, continue to go on adultery and you can have eternal life. No, he said repent and turn away. In fact, the first message of the gospel was repent for the kingdom of heaven is near. Now, here's the will of God when it comes to how we should live. and it's in First Thessalonians chapter four verses three through five, also written by Paul. First Thessalonians chapter four verses three through five. "For this is the will of God, your sanctification, that you should abstain from sexual immorality, that each of you should know how to possess his own vessel in sanction and honor." Not in passion of lust like the Gentiles who do not know God. In other words, people that don't know God or rejected God will live in the passion of lust. They'll live as sexually immorals. And this is how we should not live. It's the will of God for us to not to practice sexual immorality. And that we should present our body as a living sacrifice unto him. You know, in Genesis chapter 4, God told Cain to have self-control. If Cain could not have self-control, then why did God say Cain have self-control? One of the gifts of the Spirit is self-control. Let's bounce back to Galatians chapter 5 and see that. Galatians chapter 5. Galatians chapter 5. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and their self-control. If you are born of the Spirit, that means you have the witness of the Spirit to your spirit. That means you are a child of God. The fruit of the Spirit, the fruit of the Holy Spirit has self-control. We can learn to have self-control so where we are not giving into the flesh to commit sexual immorality I mean look at what it says in 1 John chapter 3 verses 4 through 6 about those who practice works of the flesh and this should encourage us to have self-control 1 John chapter 3 verses 4 through 6 Whoever commits sin also commits lawlessness, and sin is lawlessness. And you know that he was manifested to take away our sins, Jesus. And in him, there is no sin, Jesus. Whoever abides in him does not sin. And let me clarify that a little because a lot of people will take this out of context. When we are born again, we have a spirit. We have a new man. The new man doesn't sin because he's new. He's not contaminated. And so, our soul is where our thoughts and emotion lies. Now, because we're still in our bodies, we still have a flesh where Satan can tempt us through the flesh. It's in our soul that we either decide we're going to either walk in the flesh to fulfill the flesh, or we're going to walk in the spirit to fulfill. Fill the spirit. And in Romans chapter 12 verse 2. It talks about daily we need to renew our mind with the word. We need to fill our mind with the word. So that we are not contaminated by the world to be walking in the flesh. Because when we constantly, in other words practice walking in the flesh. Then we are practicing sin. We are practicing acts of lawlessness. Now, what happens when we are born of the Spirit? You know things that we used to do, like the evil stuff. We didn't feel as guilty, but when we do that as Christians, our spirit—not the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit doesn't condemn us. The Holy Spirit condemns unbelievers. The spirit in us is the one that condemns. Hey, you should have not done this. Now it's up to us that we should listen to the Spirit, and we need to evaluate all of our lives. And so Jesus says that it's best to remove your eyes or cut off your hand and enter the kingdom of heaven with one eye and lame. Now Jesus is not actually talking about physical um, decapitation or physical harm, but Jesus is talking about sin. If there are things in our life that's causing us to sin, then we should get rid of it. That's part of developing that self-control. So, if you have a problem with sexual morality or watching anything like pornography or anything like that, get rid of it. That stuff will destroy you. I mean, that stuff has destroyed families worldwide. I mean, I think if men understood how dangerous pornography is, then I think he will work that much harder to try to keep it illegal. Now, I don't think illegalizing it will solve it. You know, I think it would just make matters worse. You know what? In Ephesus, when people got saved, they burnt their witchcraft books. Now, Christians didn't make them burn it. They willfully burnt their witchcraft books. They got rid of it. They didn't need it. And so I believe when people are truly repent and they truly are born again, that the Holy Spirit will guide them. And it's going to reveal to them the things that's causing them to sin. And the Holy Spirit will lead them to get rid of that stuff. So Christians get rid of that stuff. It doesn't matter whether pornography is legal or illegal, because we know Christians, we should not do those things. We should not watch those things. And so, whenever we leave our lives in the spirit, we sin less and less. We don't practice it, we find ways not to do it. So, just because you're born in the spirit, your spirit doesn't sin, but because there's that battle between flesh and soul. I mean, Galatians chapter 5 was all about that flesh and soul. Walk in the spirit, don't fulfill the flesh. The flesh and the spirit, they're battling one another. What is the flesh and spirit fighting over? They're fighting over our soul. And so we have the free will to either walk in the flesh or walk in the spirit. And with the word of God, it shows those that walk in the flesh will go to death. But those that walk in the spirit will have life. Jesus has given us life. He has given us the power to walk in the light. Now, going back to 1 John chapter 3, verse 6. Whoever abides him does not sin. Whoever sins, and no one practices it, whoever sins has neither seen him nor known him. So, if a pastor justifies sexual morality, that means two things. The pastor does not know him, because he doesn't read the word, or he has never been born of the Spirit. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 3 says this. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 3. Therefore, I make known to you that no one's by the Spirit of God, calls Jesus a curse. So, if you say that you could be a Christian and practice sexual morality, that means you don't have the Spirit of God. Because basically, we're saying Jesus is a curse. And remember, going back to Pergamos, Jesus told that church, stop practicing sexual morality. And remember, Revelation is written to believers and not to unbelievers. And going back to what it says, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 3. And no one can say that Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. Only by the Holy Spirit can we confess that Jesus is Lord. That means we abide in Him. That means we obey His commands. And Jesus says not to commit adultery and don't commit any forms of sexual immorality. Now, I want us to continue to see the dangers of sexual immorality. Let's go to Jude chapter 1, verse 7. Jude chapter 1, verse 7. As Sodom and Gomorrah, and the cities around them, in a similar manner to these, have given themselves over to sexual immorality, and gone after strange flesh. I mean we could think of strange flesh as homosexuality and having sex with animals are set forth as example, suffering the vengeance of eternal life. We saw God's judgment on Sodom and Gomorrah. And those that practice sexual immorality will also have that same judgment when they go into the lake of fire. Now Evil is evil, and we should not practice it. There's no justification for evil. We can't continue to live evil and expect to go into God's kingdom. You cannot be saved and drink from the cups of demon at the same time and expect to have eternal life. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 21 and 22 says, Test all things Hold fast What is good You want to see more about Test all things Romans chapter 12 Verse 2 And do not be conformed But And do not be conformed to this world But be transformed by the renewing Of your mind they may prove what is good and acceptable and perfect will of God. We renew our mind with the Word so that we can test things, to see whether they're good, or, whether good and acceptable and the perfect will of God. And then go First 1 John chapter 4, verse 1. Beloved, do not believe every spirit. In other words, If a pastor says that, hey, you could commit adultery, you commit sexual immorality, it's okay, they're lying to you. Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits of God where they are of God. You know, the Holy Spirit, the spirit truth will guide us according to its word. It will remind us of the thing that Jesus has taught us. So any acts of sexual immorality goes against God. And going back to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 23. Abstain from every form of evil. Abstain from every form of evil. And let's bounce back to Revelation chapter 21, verse 8. But the cowardly, these are acts, but the cowardly, unbelievers, abominable, murderers, sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, all liars shall have their part in lakes with burns of fire and brimstone, which is the second death, and go to Galatians chapter 5. Galatians chapter 5, and they'll say the same thing. Works of now the works of the flesh are which are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contention, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envy, murders, drunkenness, reverence. And the likes of which I tell you beforehand In other words Paul told us before Just as I told you in past time That those who practice such things Will not inherit the kingdom of God So those that practice sexual immorality And are martyrs Will not inherit the kingdom of God Look at what James says In James chapter 2 verse 11 for he who said, Do not commit adultery, also said, Do not commit murder. Now, if you do not commit adultery, but you do murder, you have become a transgressor of the law. In other words, if you just break one commandment, then you're guilty of breaking all of the law. I mean, we look at it in verse 10, James chapter 2, verse 10. For who shall keep the whole law, and yet, so one point, he is guilty of all. He is guilty of all. Now, about adultery, Jesus takes us another step. Listen to what he said in Matthew chapter 5. And this is where it begins. Matthew chapter 5, verses 27-32. We look and see that adultery is evil. Now we looking and see where it begins and how it entices us. You have heard that was said to those of old, You shall not commit adultery. But I say to you that whoever looks at a woman to lust for her has already committed adultery with her in his heart. Remember, Jesus says that all acts of evil is inside the heart, and that what makes people wicked, is the acts inside the heart. Now, if your right eye causes you to sin, pluck it out and cast it from you, it. for it's more profit for you that one of your members perish than for your whole body to be cast into hell. And if your right eye causes you to sin, cut it off and cast it from you, it. for it's more profit for you that one of your members perish than for your whole body to be cast into hell. Now, Jesus is not talking about literally, but he's talking metaphorically. If there's things that causes you to sin, such as pornography, magazines, Netflix, Netflix is child porn, get rid of it, you sicko. These things, if they causes you to stumble, get rid of it. Cut it out, you know. It's best to go out with these things then have these things drag you into hell. So abstain from all forms of evil means that we stay away from it and we don't practice it and we don't try to copy it. And we see that in 3 John, 3rd letter of John chapter 1 verse 11. We love it. Do not imitate, in other words, don't imitate what is evil, but what is good. He who does good is of God. But he who does evil has not seen God. So those that practice evil has not seen God. And in 1 John chapter 2, verse 15 and 16. 1 John chapter 2, verse 15 and 16. Do not love the world, or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. So, if you have a so-called Christian, or so-called pastor that says, hey, homosexuality is okay, get away from it. Don't even rebuke him. Rebuke him in Jesus' name. Rebuke him like he's the devil, because he is a prophet of the devil. Rebuke him like he's the devil. Because the Bible is very clear that those who fulfill the lust of the world, the lust of evil, is not of the Father, but of the world. That means they are a child of Satan. Now, earlier on, I said that, you know, God is the same God. And we see that. We see that God is the same. God in the Old Testament is the same God in the New Testament. There is no difference whatsoever. And so, Paul, when he was telling the Corinthians not to practice sexual morality, he was referring to the Israelites in the wilderness. In First Corinthians chapter 10, verse 8. The way it says, Nor let us commit sexual morality as some of them did, and in one day 23,000 fell. The twenty-two thousand that fell were the Israelites in the wilderness. They fell because they committed sexual morality. Revelation chapter 21, verse 8. Those who commit sexual immorality will not inherit God's kingdom. Of course, that's in Galatians chapter 5, works of the flesh, but same thing. Revelation chapter 21, verse 8, that those who commit sexual morality will die in the lake of fire they will experience the same judgment that the Sodomites experienced on Sodom and Gomorrah. And I'm going to leave you with two more verses and we will be done with Halloween is for the sexually immoral. 1 Corinthians chapter 6 verses 18 and 20. Flee sexual immorality. Every sin that a man does is outside the body. But he who commits sexual immorality sins against his own body. Or do you not know that your body, and when we were born again, born of spirit, temple of this Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and you are not your own, for you are bought at a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. So when we are born of the Spirit, we live in the Spirit. And we don't practice the things of evil. The fruit of the Spirit is self-control. The Spirit will guide us and it will show us the things that causes us to stumble. And so it will give us strength to get rid of those things. And we should fill our minds with the word daily. So we could test what is right and what is good. And through the word, we should see that we should not practice sexual immorality. And we should not practice Halloween. Halloween is for evil people. And that includes sexually immoral. And so I want to close where we began in Revelation chapter 21, verse 7. Verse 8. Revelation chapter 21, verse 8. But the cowardly, unbelieving, abominable, murderers, sexual immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars shall have their part in a lake which burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. So you can see all from the Bible, from Genesis to Revelation, that God speaks out against sexual immorality. That includes adultery, homosexuality, sex with animals, and even sex with children. Those are all the abominations to God. Those are all the things that the nations did before the Israelites took over the Canaan. And Revelation chapter twenty one verse eight is very clear that those who practice those things will burn with fire and brimstone, and they will not enter into God's kingdom. All right. Next for Christians and Halloween will be. Christians should have nothing to do with sorcery over here on the Christ Center channel and over on the Revelation podcast. May God bless you.